Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. This week, we have the most popular session from our Association Marketer's Guide to 2022 Planning. Pretty sure the popularity was mostly because it's all about newsletters, which of course are a staple of association life. We know your members depend on them for news and for information, and your corporate vendors bank on them for advertising and exposure, and your association relies on them for member touch points, engagement, and ad revenue. But just because these stalwarts are an institution doesn't mean they have to read like a history book. So another one of my favorite people, the super smart Annie Henderson, who's the corporate marketing manager at Asbo International, and I got together to discuss how you can go about revamping your newsletter to meet modern needs and still accomplish all your objectives. As always, let us know what you think about this episode or if you have questions after listening over on Hug or in the LinkedIn post for this episode. Welcome to the final session in our three-part webinar series, the Association Marketer's Guide to 2022 Planning. And with me, I have Annie Henderson of ASBO International. So Annie, do you want to give a really quick intro? Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking really uh, looking forward to talking about uh, newsletters with you guys. Uh, I am with ASBO International, the Association of School Business Professionals, uh, and I've been with them for two years. And in my prior life, I uh, was an entrepreneur as well as a um, in the association world in, in healthcare. Uh, so definitely have a lot of uh, back experience with this. And I'm just, again, like I said, really excited to share some helpful insider information on how to rethink your association's newsletter. Um, and the poll is on how long has your association had its newsletter? Do we have results? 10 plus years. Look at that. Yeah, that's exactly where we are yeah. too. For those who are the 14% who are zero to three, congrats, you're still in a point where you're like, you know, getting, you're finding your feet and figuring out exactly what you need. So we're glad everyone is here. Um, doesn't matter what stage you're in. It's, you know, hopefully you'll still get something helpful from here. So good to know. I love seeing that. I love seeing that there's a lot of people like 10 plus years who are still here going, okay, how can we make it better? Not an anomaly. <laughs> we're gonna talk about deciding improving when it's time to change your newsletter. Um, we're talking about what kind of newsletter you need. And then what are your buckets in your newsletter? Um, and then are you trying to do too much with one newsletter? And then a little bit about best practices. And then we'll do a little bit of inspiration for the end to give you some stuff to walk away with and think about. How do we decide or prove when it's time? So Annie, do you want to talk a little bit through this? Yeah. When I came on board uh, to ASBO two years ago, first primary focus I had was just getting to know the association and the ins and outs. After a while of producing and creating content for our newsletter, I started to notice that we were putting in a whole lot of effort for not very much return. Uh, our While our delivery was good, we, were, we didn't have very many bounces, our open rate was just so-so, but our click-through rate, that was really low, not where we wanted on actionable uh, pieces of content that we put time into for the newsletter. So over the course of the next year, I realized like, hey, can we reimagine what accents is or what it even means and that's when i really had to dive in to understanding where did accents come from originally where you know what need is it currently filling or did it need to fill and i had to get all those questions asked and answered first before i even broached the subject about altering it changing it or putting it to bed altogether when you're looking at all that, you know, obviously you want to look, you want to look and see, are you bringing in fresh eyes? Like, you know, are you bringing people who haven't read it before? Because a lot of times, especially if you've got like a very strict standard title that you use every time, it's the same people are opening it every day. Yeah. So another thing you want to look at is, are you bringing in fresh eyes? Um, and, you know, people who haven't looked at it, and are they staying? But, yeah. you know, otherwise you're not going to have growth. 
And along um, that journey, I learned that Accents was originally a print publication before 2006. So in 2006, when I believe our association signed on with Informs at the time, um, that's when they made it digital. So it's been around for a very long time. I'm trying to think how many places I've worked since then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so because you're talking about the fact that it's been around so long, it was print and then it moved to digital. At some point, you've got to ask yourself: Are you just checking off a to-do list item, or you know, is this just like oh, okay, I've got to get the newsletter out? I know that we had one. We didn't. We had several different newsletters at AAAE, and they served different purposes, and they had different you know um, cadences and things like that. Uh, and we had come up by the time I left, I think we'd come up with a good system. And I know they're still constantly looking at it, improving it, as you should. Um, but one of the ones we had was the uh, meetings update. And meetings update was just once a week, every Monday, we'd send out the meetings update with the upcoming meetings. It was just basically a checking off the to-do list item. So yeah. we made changes to it. We, we, we tried it monthly instead. And we tried, um, we added like content to it. So like if the meeting was about security, then we would bring in some content about security. Um, so that at least, you know, it's a newsletter. It made right. it more of a newsletter. Here's some information about these topics and here's the meetings that go with them basically. Um, which worked a little bit better. Um, but in the end, I think we ended up getting rid of it entirely because we just started doing more targeted things um, like adding targeted information to the newsletter, adding um, web track, doing a lot of web tracking targeted campaigns instead, which were far better use of the time. The, that automation ended up being a far better use of the time and getting better results. So yeah, you really need to look at if you're checking off a to-do list item or if you're actually doing something that will help you or is that time going to be better spent elsewhere. Absolutely. This is my, I actually saw there's a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? And it's about like career, like where, where your career should be. But I like it for what kind of newsletter is this? Content-based uh, professional, or content resources, professional development. What is the main, the biggest type of content usually, the main one? So if you could pick between like content resource-based, is it mostly giving out, you know, your content, your resources? Is it professional development-based? um you know are you talking about things that will help with professional development is it like a news briefing or an aggregation of news yeah. are you doing marketing and event updates kind of like that um newsletter i was talking about is it an advocacy one ours right now the purpose that it was serving was that marketing piece to throw everything into a marketing uh newsletter and you know that's it's lived its life to put it simply and you certainly want to, as a marketer, uh, you want to be able to look at things um, not with nostalgia necessarily, but with a, is this actually doing its job anymore? So um, let's see. Content resource base. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what marketing is trending towards. It, the last couple of years has been very focused on content marketing. So that's really awesome that majority of you are focused on that. I love that there's actually not a ton is advocacy or professional development. That's that's great that it's not your number one focus. I mean, I'm assuming that they all have like a combination. Most of them probably have a combination, the news and then the marketing events. Yeah, so that that's great. I like I like those results. Those results are yeah, awesome. that's actually really telling too from uh from this uh this poll. So I'm gonna take that and put that in my back pocket and share that there later. You know. <laughs> I mean, how many, we have like over 200 on currently, so you almost can- Almost 300. Almost 300. So you could definitely cite that as a resource in using it as a proving tactic for your decision makers in your association, give them that snapshot of the poll. That would be a huge selling point. Yeah, because we're not talking about, oh, it's 20 people. No, this is, we're talking about three, almost 300 association marketers and association communicators. So, yeah, there's your, there's your evidence if you need to make any changes. Whatever color your parachute is, you still need to know what content goes in it. And we all know, like we said, that it's probably going to be more in there than just your, um, just that one thing. So, um, you really need to ask yourself about all content. 
that's going in there is that content that your members need. And you'll notice that I put association and then we crossed it out because it's not about you. It's not about what you need. Mm -hmm. It's not what your members need. What do your members need, Annie? My members, they need content and actionable resources, especially in our current climate. Like I said, I work for the Association of School Business Officials and they need to stay up to date uh, constantly on new measures from the CDC, um, from the their local uh, departments, uh, school departments, all, all of that, because they're managing a whole entire school district and all the children inside of those buildings. But your association is not my association. And so you might want to focus on membership highlights. And those are really popular in general. Like, to, so I like to say, put the membership highlights and the jobs boards at the bottom because everybody will read all the way through. That's true, and that's another really great point. If you're looking um, at a, an anchor to your newsletter as you're going into, uh, you know, kind of alter it, uh, having that high click through content, you want that to be towards the bottom because then you're going to get those scrolls if you've ever if you're like almost any store that you walk into the clearance and sales stuff is always at the back and that's so that you will walk all the way through the store and see all the new stuff and look at everything else before you actually get to the sales stuff which is what most people are going in to look for yeah. so it, it's the same thing with this if people are used to seeing um some of these things and it depends on what's getting your most clicks if you're finding that your member benefits is actually getting the most clicks move it down a little bit see what happens is it getting the most clicks because it's up higher or is it getting the most clicks because people are interested and you're bringing them all the way to the bottom and we'll talk a little bit more about structuring that in a moment this is a big one what is the ratio of sales to information in your newsletter and that's the definition of news can change but as long as it is information that they can use and it's not a sales pitch that's news even if it's your content and your resources if it is um, you know, things that they can use for professional events, news aggregation, anything like that. It's not a sales pitch. It's something that they can use as actual information. This depends on the purpose of the newsletter. If, you're, if your newsletter is member focused, then I would have no less than 75% content and no more than 25% sales or marketing content. Yeah, so maybe that 25% sales marketing stuff is Maybe that's two ads and something in your association that's program-based where there has to be a transaction made. If you do ads in your newsletter and you have a program that, maybe you have a certification program that you, you need to start uh, pushing a little bit harder, um, that obviously is going to inevitably translate into a transaction. So maybe that's your 25% fulfillment, but the 75% is focused on, we just updated this white paper, download it now for the most, uh, for the best practices on X, Y, and Z. Um, that's the kind of content, uh, actionable content that is going to fill your 75% slot. Yep. Or, you know, um, an RSS feed with the latest news, the latest blog posts or the latest news um, in that particular subject area. Um, anything like that, or even just news items that you bring in and copy and paste and summarize. If it's sales driven, like, for example, the meetings update one that I was talking about, um, AAA has another one that's sales driven. I mean, that's literally sales driven. That's a training one that always does really well. Um, but it's because they're focusing on the fact that it's sales driven and they only do it like every three weeks but at that point you're going to flip the ratio um, yeah. you still want some content in there no less than 25 percent but you want to make sure that that content supports what you're selling make it about the benefit to the members mm -hmm. and that's a good point too on frequency that you mentioned beth the three weeks on a sales uh driven newsletter is they're already a part of your membership so they're already seeing value in what they're getting out of their member benefits. So if you keep selling on top of that, they're gonna get a little eh. Yeah. Uh, so three weeks out is a great spacing for if you do have that marketing piece, um, maybe even a monthly uh, sales-driven content uh, as you're also doing a more content-driven newsletter uh, that's on a more frequent basis 
and your sales one is on a less frequent basis to really help balance it out. Basically, all newsletters at the end of the day should be relevant, timely news. Sales can be news. Products can be news. Marketing can be news. Events can be news. Anything. But it needs to be relevant and timely. And you need to explain to them why it's important. Um, I love seeing, love seeing these emails that come out saying, we would like to announce our annual conference, the 98th annual conference that will be held in such and such. No, no, no I'm, I'm checked out. Sorry. Tell me why I need it. Tell me the benefits, like right there. Especially if you're making it like a short ad in your newsletter. Say, hey, you need to be here because X, Y, Z. See you there. Bye. Now we're going to talk about the bucket. And <laughs> I, I, I do not tire of telling this story. Sorry, Annie. Um, Bye. So and the day before Annie and I met to just kind of walk through her newsletter, she we were talking. She was talking about restructuring it. Um, the day before she and I sat down to look at her newsletter, um, I happened to open one of those Val packs. If you ever get those in the mail, and you go through it, and there's all these different local coupons and stuff like that. And I never open them, but I was like, you know what? I'm just curious to see how much has changed. You know what? Maybe there's something I can use. And so I opened it. And I was flipping through it. And then we get to Annie's newsletter. I was like, oh, my God, Annie, it's a giant Val pack. You're literally sending them a giant Val pack. <laughs> yeah, it is. Again, going back to that, this purpose, the purpose of Accents was to fill a marketing component uh, for all the things that we have at ASBO International. But that was back in 2015 when they did a whole restructuring of accents the name hasn't changed in you know 10 plus years just the structure of it has changed but best practices as we know well those also change on a more frequent basis and this is where i was with my story in in asbo is i took that year to learn and to absorb and to understand and then when it came time the, you know, during my second year, I was like, okay, this isn't filling its purpose anymore. It's it's done its job. And we, we need to shift as all marketers do or need to do when the audience is, is changing or shifting or needs are shifting, wants are shifting. So this is where we are. We're, we're at that need to shift. So we basically looked through all of that and we went into PowerPoint. And we just made a list of the buckets of what was in there. Okay, what actually goes into the newsletter? And we figured, okay, the a, a the banner was confusing. I actually thought it was an ad when she first sent it to me. Yeah. Um, because it changes every time. The accent is kind of hard to see. And I didn't even realize. I thought you had no banner at first. And I was like, oh, okay, I see that when you pointed it out. Um, so the first thing we talked about was changing to a branded banner. Mm -hmm. Just so that it's instantly recognizable when somebody opens it, that it's not a marketing piece. This is actually the newsletter. Um, and then the feature article. So that sort of like under, underscores the fact that, hey, no, this is a newsletter. Yeah. And then you can throw in an ad. Um, and then we were you were saying that the ASBO news was like the next importance. And then like timely tidbits was something that you do that kind of under news, which is why you can see on here. We so, put yeah. them together and made the color slightly lighter. Yeah, so timely tidbits is that piece of, is always going to be that piece of information in our association that comes outside of our association, whether it, maybe it's from the School Nutrition Association, maybe it's from the um, Pupil Transportation Association, anything that is in relevance to what we do as um, supporting the district office, you know, those timely tidbits would go under there if there's a change and what they're doing or what they're offering. And that we get through our Google alerts that we have set up. Um, and then so we talked about the resources and the professional development events and the programs. And then she was saying that, you know, the member spotlight always does really well. Always. Um, and lots of people are interested in it. And of course the job sport, which is ever popular, pretty much any association. So we put those at the bottom um, so that they, you know, people would scroll down to get to it. And then the way we structured the ads when we looked at it is that we took like the pri the place that people most want the most, which is priority, priority yeah, right at the top. Yeah. But then the one at the bottom also tends to be really popular. So add two. And then we kind of worked our way in. So if you have to start taking away ads, you're taking away the least important one first. 
Right. And creating more of that bulky content there in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and salesy as, you know, we only allow up to five ads in our newsletter. Do we ever, do we always get five? No, of course not. Um, but as if we get one, then we know where the one goes. If we get two, then we know where both goes. They always have that permanent placement and there's no guessing game. And obviously the way when Beth introduced this topic or this information to me, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. So that number two ad, when we talk about what gets the highest click-throughs, I'm like, it's always the member spotlight and it's always the jobs. So let's make that the second priority placement for ads, which is down at the bottom, where we want that to be our anchor content. Looking at it this way, taking out all the content and just looking at looking at the content itself and figuring out what buckets each one fits in is a great way to really assess what's in there. And I mean, these all tend to fit. These were all um, you know things. That, okay, this could be an easy, even though it's long. The other idea is to actually structure it like this too, so it's a little more readable with like the different colors. Uh, and then more, and then cleaner, not so much imagery, easier to read, much more responsive. Yeah, um, but not every bucket has to be in every issue of the newsletter. And that's what also is brilliant about this is that you're not gonna have content for every bucket that you decipher, you know, that you figure out that you have, and that's okay. But you can create it, you can create the newsletter so it's fluid and dynamic. And it can go with what is happening at that moment. Yeah, and I actually, I kind of stole this uh, concept for something I was doing recently. And I created content layout, uh, custom layouts. Yeah. It works just like this with the, with the different colors for each section. It's, it's perfect. Oh my gosh. You can like move okay, anything around. Just speak. <laughs> it's perfect. You can move things around. You can, oh my gosh, it works. It's so perfect. The whole template's there. You don't have to worry about taking stuff out or, yeah. It, it, it works great. You go back and look at that. Are you trying to do too much? Should mm -hmm. it be multiple more targeted newsletters? So the pros of more focused, uh, pros of having that are it's more focused. It's definitely, you know, you've got more targeted ad revenue opportunity. Yeah. Um, the cons of it is that there's more email. There's also, especially if there's a lot of crossover between the audiences. Yeah. So then you come to, should it be one, but with story level targeting? Well, the pro of that is that it's less emails, but it's still targeted. Right. The con is you could lose a little bit of credibility if you try to be all things to all people. But like, if you go back to this and look at it and you say, okay, our programs are only of interest to this subset. Right. Nothing that yours is, but just picking that. So I'm only going to target it to those people. So only those people are going to get it. So now you've sorted to say, okay, I'm going to take away the information that I don't think that is going to be relevant to them to make it easier for them to read. So when they look at it, they're going to go, oh, this is news that's specifically relevant to me, which goes back to our point about it needs to be relevant and timely. Yeah. You can look at those different things and say, oh, okay, it doesn't matter. This is like, this is not going to matter to these people. So I'm just going to send it to those people. You can do that with the advertising too, by the way. You can actually sell more advertising if you're doing it to target audiences. Because if there's not going to be a ton of overlap, you can put a little more advertising in because you're not going to get people going, oh my God, this is full of ads. They're going to get the ads that are relevant to them. For an organization like AAAE, using that as an example, that has such a varied range of people in their audience, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing can be really important. Yeah. Um, even the, the training newsletter I was talking about is usually targeted. So like there might be five different trainings that are coming up, but they're only targeted to certain people if they're disparate. Based so off might, job yeah, title. Five, yeah, job title, areas of interest. Um, we pull in a bunch of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's possible to do more and yet be less information and more targeted for each person who gets it. Now, obviously, this is a bit more footwork up front to do when you're separating out audiences, but if you do have your um, association database linked over uh, to, you know, your uh, communications platform like Inform, like we do, we have IMIS communicating uh, to Inform. It yeah. does make it um, more manageable to do, uh, to set, you know, separate out the groups when you're doing story level targeting, because um, that's one thing that we're learning as we've opened up a new membership category uh, for us, and that's district 
membership. So it's not a singular membership, but it's actually a membership for all the entire office, which means that it's definitely a lot of different job titles that don't care about the same things that um, the primary contact would would care about. So we had to do some footwork up front to identify what matters most to the rest of the district office and what they want. They don't want to see things where it's only decision maker resources only. They want to see things that's relevant to them that's going to help them in, in their current position. Because if they start reading through it and seeing things that aren't, aren't applicable, not only are they going to close that, they're going to assume that it's not applicable and they're just not going to open it again. Yeah. And sometimes that means we, instead of doing like, when you do story level targeting, that means we actually exclude them from certain updates. Instead of adding them, we just exclude them because everything else would be relevant to them. Learning about something at ASBO, learning about a new member, um, that kind of stuff is relevant to them. So let's talk a little bit about layout design best practices. You know, we talked about that recognizable, consistent, branded header um, that's important so that people open it and they know exactly what it is. Bucketing your sections so that people know what news is where is really helpful. If they're right. over the news, down, yeah. they're not reading a headline, but they're actually reading what it says. Now you're going to be reading updated news or something like that. Um, yeah. So they know and it's not just as ours was previously. You just weren't sure what you were going to get next as you were going through all of the all of the Valpac Valpac coupons. <laughs> you just never knew what was coming next. It's kind of exciting. Um, so yeah, so bucketing them is really helpful. Um, make sure your text is readable. If you are not a comic book uh, association, please don't send your emails, your your newsletter, and comic sans. I'm kidding. I know none of you actually do that. <laughs> so, just make sure it's readable, though. I mean, there can be this desire sometimes to cram a bunch of text in there, and Readable isn't just about font or font size. It's also about how much is there and how much white space it has. It sounds silly, but text needs a little bit of room to breathe. Otherwise, when you try to read it, it feels overwhelming and suffocating, and you just don't. There's right. a whole psychology behind it. There are like studies behind it, everything else, but the gist of it is it needs room to breathe so that you feel comfortable reading it. Right, and if you go back to our example with accents, you can see that there's lots of color with white text and it kind of gets a little squished because butting up right next to it is a 300 by 300 pixel image. Yeah. So it doesn't provide and it doesn't give that readability that suits best practices of newsletters because truthfully best practices now is your image shouldn't be telling the story of what you're trying to get across. Right. In fact, in fact, if the if you don't have an image that really complements the story or gets the psychology aside across of it, you don't might not necessarily need one. Yes. Don't put an image in just because there's a spot that says image. There's a reason why there are blocks that say in, in informs and real magnet both that say image with text and the image is a small thing and blocks that just say text. Yeah. Multiple yep. blocks that just say text. And honestly, um, don't be afraid of just doing text. Uh, Beth, I think you showed me a really great example from yeah. Worlds Association that is text. It's yeah. just it's text, and it gets it gets across. It also depends on your audience too. Um, Sarah Savitt from uh, the ALVS Lymphatic Vein Society. I think it is. I apologize, Sarah, if you're on the call and I just butchered the name of your organization. I apologize. <laughs> They, she has a newsletter that is, it's very long things of text, and they're very scary words that I can't pronounce, but that's her audience. They're used to reading academic journals. They're used to seeing things like that, and so that's what they're used to seeing, so they feel comfortable with that. So Think about what your audience is comfortable reading, because that's going to, in some respects, determine what this should be. Your your design and your layout at the end of the day, the best practice is to make sure it's something your audience is going to want to read and what they're comfortable reading and what they're used to seeing. If the when I say what they're used to seeing, that doesn't necessarily mean your newsletter, your old one. That could be, oh, they're used to reading this. So, okay, we're going to give it to them. They're, I want to say the magazine, but you don't want to try and make it a magazine. That's mm -hmm. the other thing. Some people try to make it an actual, just like the print newsletter or magazine, and it just doesn't work. But um, definitely you want to make sure it's mobile friendly. 
So again, and going that, back to my example is that because we have such large images, what happens is when someone pulls it up on a mobile, what they get is image, huge image first, and then they have to scroll for a bit longer than is really recommended to get to the actual text that is the purpose of what we want them to get to. So we have a very low current mobile opening rate, and once we make the change over to uh, the new layout and the new structure with li more limited images, mm -hmm. I think mobile is going to increase tenfold. Yeah. Well, and even worse, when I opened it on my mobile, um, it actually, my mobile set to shrink the email, so it literally shrunk it. Yeah. It was impossible to read. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was impossible to read. So, um, yeah. And again, you can use color and structure with your graphic design. Like Azure graphic design, talking about like making those buckets with the differentiating colors, things like that. And again, just design to your audience. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit different for each audience. And then my favorite, KISS. Keep it short and simple. Think about it like you're briefing the president. President. Whether it's the president of your organization, <laughs> the president. Yeah. Well, the president of your organization, the president of Burundi, whatever. Do just um, keep it simple. Right. Um, your marketing news, give them a reason to click or not and move on. They're looking to you to give them a summary of what they need to know. And then if they're interested in more information on it, they're going to click. Right. Yeah. And content doesn't have to come um, from inside your organization. As I mentioned before, uh, we do have Google Alerts set up for specific uh, topics that comes uh, through a specific person who filters them out and then if she sees anything that is of relevance to our membership she passes it along to me and then I can use it in our newsletter that goes out uh, twice twice a month in our timely tidbits you know that's another great way uh, and then of course uh, doing uh, which Beth loves and there's lots of Beth information on this one but RSS feeds I love RSS feeds. You do. They make it so easy for you. Just curate feeds of trusted sources on the internet. Use keywords if possible to automate your creation. Use Google alerts to pull stuff to figure out what feeds you need. And just make it easy for yourself. Please. This shouldn't be 30% of your time. If you look at your time in in like a month, you know, just how much time you spend on one particular thing, your newsletter shouldn't take 30% of your time or more. Yeah. Honestly, it, it should be very fluid. It should take, it should be really quick and simple because there's not a lot of extra steps that you would have to take to get approval, graphic design, um, content. It should be super simple, keep it short and simple, so that you are getting the most return on, on your time. Your return should be higher than the time you spent on it. Yeah, think about ROI in terms, not just of money, but of time. So then we already covered the whole thing, a bunch about job listings at the bottom, make it known they're there, people will scroll down. Uh, subject lines. So this is a hotly debated topic and it really, again, depends on your audience. Um, some audience do really well with, you know, uh, today's accents for November, 2022, whatever. Um, and then people know that's what it is and they open it. Um, others, article titles really, really, work for getting people to open it yeah. but a trick i learned from smart brief is if you put the article title and i've seen it used a bunch of other places too since then if you put the article title make sure the article that big article that you know that's going to get them to open it is like the third article in. burying the lead is what we like to call yep. that in this case you want to bury the lead because then they'll scroll for the article and then they'll be scrolling in just like putting the stuff at the bottom that they know they're going to go to yeah. um, and you can A-B test with your audience if you're not sure what they're going to respond to and see. Sometimes yeah. an emoji is not going to fly, and sometimes it does fly in your subject yeah. line. Especially uh, if it's an airplane. Right. Uh, and then again, just make it to read on easy to read on any device. And yeah. always put the jobs at the bottom. You notice we keep mentioning that, right? Yeah. And then, Annie, this is one of yours. Your members want to know members. 
Yeah. So again, going back to, we call it member spotlight. And so we will, we try to make it as simple as possible. We have a five question template that we just send to a member that is interested. They fill it out. We then have um, our marketing writer flush it out, post it up to our community and boom, we, we, we got content and it takes us very little time. Um, and then again, keep it short and simple let them click through from where so where can you find some inspiration um if you're a higher logic member we do have the uh our highlight we have the higher logic users group and um there is a whole ma community on there um there are posts of newsletters we do a hug connect every week a connect for marketing on thursdays around um different topics you can register for so if you're if you have higher logic products please go on there and check it out ASE, ASAE collaborate it's a good place to go to I didn't put that in here but um yeah you can also ask your peers you can do that on I don't know anywhere do you go to ask your peers oh well I go to hug and collaborate on ASAE I do that um and I've gone to um, association forum as well um is, is a nice one um and then because I was an IMUS user, um, I have also used NIOG, though that's really more about getting the information out of the IMUS, but still. And then there's a website called reallygoodemails.com. Not everything on there, I don't think everything on there is really good, but a lot of it is. Um, yeah. And there's some cool examples on there that you can see, that you can just sort of look through. You can even look for it by subject, like what kind of topic it is. And you know, lastly too, you shouldn't be doing this alone. If you are ready to make that change in your association, uh, build a team um, that can be your support in this endeavor uh, because one person can't do it all, as we know. So maybe from different departments uh, in your association, grab one person. Uh, don't, don't make it a large team. Uh, maybe three individuals that can come together and share ideas and concepts um, to to really get this off off the off the floor uh, and get some footing under it. We've got question time, and we have a ton of questions coming in, so this is awesome. Uh, so the first question is, what should the open rates and click through rates be? What is considered low and high? That is a question we get a ton, and. Anybody who knows me will tell you one of my favorite answers to any question is, it depends. You want to benchmark against yourself because if you've seen one association, you've seen one association. Every association is different. Every membership base is different. Um, every topic is, even if you're in the same area. Um, when I was at AAAE, we worked very closely with ACI, Airport Ports Council International, I think is what it's called. Um, and we also worked with a few other aviation organizations and we had similar goals towards, you know, regulations and things like that. But our audience were vastly different, um, even though we were an airport association and so was ACI. Our audience was so vastly different that we couldn't even benchmark off each other. So the best way to figure out if you're doing a good job and what you like, what your click through rate should be is the answer is more than it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. more than it was last month let's put it that way you want to track against yourself and you want to see improvement that's how you should be tracking it um you should always want more unless you've gotten to 100 percent. if you have i would really like to have you on for a webinar so please contact me i'd love to know how you did that <laughs> yeah i mean for us in in asbo my baseline was i want to see between 30 to 35 percent open rate and I wanted to see our clicks go up to 18 to 20%. And when I when we weren't getting that, I was like, okay, something's gotta change. We're not serving a purpose with this. Anymore. So meanwhile, at AAAE, with our audience, anytime our opens got into the 20s, we were happy. And if we got a double digit click, we were thrilled for most things. Um, the newsletter was a sort of a, a, a the newsletter is usually, I think, in like the 20s, like usually like 25 to 29% open rate. Um, I mean, we all know open rates are gonna go up now with the Apple thing, but um, yeah, so it's vastly different for each one. And all we wanted to see, all I ever looked at was, was their growth. And, um, and 
that too, Beth. Um, remember a while ago, you showed me how to look at the report um, yeah. instead of just for one particular email you sent for one issue of your newsletter, but for like a time span. Mm -hmm. That in Informs was completely and utterly invaluable to me as I was looking at what is happening overall. And so I encourage you, if you have Informs, I, I'm sure Real Magnet also has a tool like that to pull an overall report as well to look at your open rates and your uh, click throughs um, to see where the trend lies. Yeah, definitely. I'm making a note right now um, to create a quick video about that. What was the next question? Uh, what does color of parachute mean? Um, it's just kind of, it's my kind of way of saying, you know, what are your buckets? What, you know, what are the different areas? If you think about a parachute with a bunch of colors on it, what are the different areas for each color um, that make up the full organization, the full support for your organization? I guess is what color your slice of the parachute in that case. So yeah, what are your different buckets? What what are your different areas in your organization that people are interested in that should go in your newsletter? It's a it's a colorful way to to look at it. No pun intended. So so next question: Is it bad to try and color all of these topics in your newsletter? Not necessarily. If you, you have, have the content to support it, go yeah. for it. Try it and look at your look at your rates look at you know are people getting to the bottom are there sections getting missed as they get to the bottom you know are there sections that aren't doing very well that you think should be doing better if so should they be pulled out um do you want to cover all those topics but target a lot of them story level target them dynamic content what are you going to call it and that's the the great thing about email marketing or newsletters is as a marketer it's trial and error on a daily basis to see yeah. what's working well, especially when it be, when it comes to your specific audience and association. As we mentioned before, you can't compare against another association because they don't have your same audience. Right. You only have your audience. So don't get stuck on the hamster wheel. Allow things to be fluid, move around. Um, if you wanna try all content, all buckets at all times, Go for it. And if it's not presenting the result that you want it to present, then change it. Say, okay, you know what? We're only going to limit it to five stories, or we are going to do, we're going to try story level targeting. And give yourself a time span of when you do it. I personally love a three month time span. That gives me a really good snapshot of um, human behavior in our membership. Yeah. I don't think you should go any lower than two months. Um, two months can be okay, but you're going lower than that. You're not getting enough of a snapshot. So let's see. Next question: How do you find define membership highlight? Or oh, we got this twice. Yeah. And what constitutes a membership highlight? Can you give examples? So I know Annie gave the example of the spotlight that she uses, um, and that's always good. It's always fun. People like to people like as you put it. People like to know other members. They like seeing information about them. The other thing you can do is kind of like a movers and shakers section. Like, you know, at airports, um, people move around a lot in the airport community. I know people do in the marketing community as well. So, you know, their colleagues might like to know, oh, so-and-so has left this position for that position. Those used to be really, really popular in print magazines for um, associations. Like associations used to have pages in a print magazine. Yes, I'm old. Um, that showed all of the different changes people had made because that's the only way you found out about it at the time, really. You didn't have Google alerts. Well, make it easy for your members to know that. Um, just, you know, a quick list of so-and-so's done this, so-and-so got this award, so-and-so won this honor, stuff like that. That's the, All of those things are super helpful to your members. And they show that you're highlighting the membership, which makes them feel warm and fuzzy. And you can and even offer them a way to send that in. What's that? And a part of something. They're a yeah. part of the membership, yeah. a part of the family that your association is. Yeah. So um, you can also provide, like, right there, thing. You've got some news for us to share. Go here. Not only does that make them able to, you know, go and share their news, if that news is that they've changed, hey, guess what? You get to update your database. So um, how should content be arranged? Content first, sales last, or intermixed? Absolutely intermixed if yeah. you've got more than two. 
you've only got two pieces of sales, then top and bottom. Um, I tell you that as an advertiser too, that that's the preference. But yeah, you want to intermix it. If it's a picture ad, then it breaks up some of the content. Um, if it's like a, a, a text section, then it's, you know, you can still put it in the middle. You do want to highlight the fact that it's an ad if it's paid for. Uh, oh, somebody asked what HUG stands for. HUG is the Higher Logic Users Group. Um, it is a community. Um, if you are a Higher Logic user, it's at hug.higherlogic.com. They asked for the address. So, what platforms have Beth and Annie used for their company's newsletters and why? I'm just going to say that I've been an informed user since 2015. And um, I brought that in to um, AAAE before we even finished our integration with um, IMUS. They need to integrate with IMUS, and I've been using that ever since. And I'm um, brought in community as well to help with us some of the data and stuff. So I'm a big informed user, but I love it so much that I actually came to work here. So <laughs> Annie, you can talk a little bit more yeah, objectively so about it. <laughs> I, I, used, I started out with Constant Contacts in 2009, maybe, long time ago. And then we, my first association, we shifted to Informs. And then I also used MailChimp. Um, and then I hear I or they already had higher logic informs. Um, so I'm like, oh, I know this. It's easy. I'll just jump right in. And so I yeah. do. I love I love the drag and drop of it. I love um, how of uh, both the, the emails and the um, the campaigns. I've done so. I did so much with higher logic camp with informs campaigns when I was at AAAE. Um, I love. I loved the support and the team here. Again, that's a big reason why I wanted to come work here. I loved the product. I loved the support. I loved Hug. I met so many people on Hug going on there and like doing some of the events and stuff like that. I just love the support system that exists. Yeah, and speaking of support, um, because I jumped back into Informs after, let's say almost seven years of being absent from association work, um, Hug and Informs and Higher Logic, all of them combined, have a lot of tools and knowledge-based libraries and videos to learn because there was a lot of new updates too. So when I jumped back in, was I proficient? Eh, I could muddle about, um, but I did all the trainings again and I relearned and I'm kind of constantly going back there as well to learn because it's it's a living, breathing platform, <laughs> and there's lots of changes all the time, and things are constantly happening. I know that one thing in 2022 I'm actually super excited for, and that's the survey feature that's getting an upgrade. So I'm I'm stoked to go through that training to learn that because that's going to be a gold mine than what you know what we have now. <laughs> this we've only got a few minutes left. Um, does anyone work with a younger Gen Z audiences? Are there any specific newsletter suggestions for this audience? No, you get let's to be more fun with that audience. Let's talk about the absent elephant in the room, meaning that that they're not necessarily going to read. Um, we all hear that Gen Z doesn't like to open news, open their email. They are a higher percentage. They just feel like if you've been around a little bit longer, email to them is like a fax machine would be to Gen X. It's just outdated and antiquated. Um, one of the things that I've been working on is turning email into RSS feeds. So when you have certain emails that you want to put out, basically sending it to an address that turns it into an RSS feed. And um, for those, I've actually been looking at that feed as a feed of some kind. There are other ways that you can do that as well. You can turn it into a feed, but creating a feed basically that goes out to places that they might be like Discord or on uh, GroupMe. I actually have GroupMe set up so that I'm using the RSS feed on the Hug community. And anytime somebody posts on the Hug, posts on the Hug community, um, it goes to my GroupMe group and then sends a text message to my phone so that I see the post, just because I've been trying to test some of the stuff out. I also have it call me. Literally, when somebody posts on Hug, I get a phone call telling me that there's a post on Hug because I like to play with that stuff. So the thing about Gen Z is that you've got to go where they are. Um, and I don't know how else to do that inside of a newsletter itself. 
But if you do, it needs to be quick. It needs to be brief, and it needs to give them a reason to open it. If and they love it so much, you want to keep it short and simple for them. Hey, kiss times twelve. Yeah. Um, somebody says, um, in regards to the timely tidbits, is it best practice to send your audience away from your content? I've always been told that you should always use your own, but it seems to be going more towards a digest of different related sources. We definitely curate our own content. It's not that we don't. It's just we don't have the manpower to do it consistently for everything that happens on a on a daily basis. So um, we actually have a daily news briefing called School Business Daily that aggregates um, top headlines from around the world uh, for our members, and, and none of it comes from inside of ASBO. And then for the timely tidbits, that's for like from our sister associations, like uh, uh, the Consortium of Network Schools, which is more the technology side of it, or School Nutrition Association, of course, which is more meal planning, or student, um, the Pupil Transportation Association, which is about um, bus drivers uh, and students, uh, all of that. We can't provide expert content on that, but our members might not be members of that association, but it might be timely information for them in some manner. And so we still want to be that source of leading the industry. And we're more than happy to uh, share others' uh, others' information that they worked on if they want to get it out. Uh, that's that's actually really good. That, that's building relationships outside of your association as well. So like, when we do large uh, toolkits. We just did a huge um, technology toolkit with us and uh, COSIN. It went over so well because it went to their audience plus our audience and we got major media attention from it. Well, and the other thing is just to remember this newsletter should be a member benefit. And if your members count on you to give them a roundup of news from other places, then even though you're sending them out, that is, it's a benefit to them. They're getting the news, they're gonna come back and they're gonna open it and they're gonna to continue to renew. So remember that. And I think that's a, I think that's actually a great thing to end on. This newsletter at the end of the day should be a member benefit. It is not a marketing tool for you for specific products. It is a marketing tool for you to show how much benefit you bring to their lives and keep them there. Thank you so much everyone for coming. Really appreciate your time. And I hope um, you guys have a great rest of your day.